You go in there and you buy something. I, I, a lot of times I use a debit card because I don't have cash on me. And they'll, do you want to round up? Do you want to round up for the, for the do you want to round up for the Rainbow Foundation? Do you want to round up for the, this foundation? This, and I was in KFC line trying, just trying to get me some chicken. And, I, and the guy's like, do you want to round up for the KFC Foundation? I'm like, no, I just, just give me some of the old man's chicken. I just came in <laughs> to get some of the old man's chicken. You know, I don't want to round up. And I told my wife, I turned, I turned to Kathy, you know, y'all be praying for Kathy because she has to put up with this like 24 hours a day. I'm like, I'm sick and tired of this roundup nonsense, you know. I swear to you, next time somebody asks me if I want to round up, I'm going to tell them, you know what, do you want to round down to the Keegan Hall Foundation? When they know, if you don't want to round down to the Keegan Hall Foundation, I want to round up to the KFC Foundation. Because I don't see how my 14 cents is going to help your multi-billion dollar corporation. But that 14 cents helps me, you know. So I don't know. I know I'm ratting and raving, but I'm getting tired of this world. I'm ready for Jesus Christ to come back, man. This is, it's just a bunch of nonsense. They do, it's like, I think, honestly, I think the devil does that stuff. It's little things like that that drive me. I'm going to speak for some men in here. It's little things like that that drive men absolutely nuts. It's like, I, I just want some chicken, dude. I don't want you to ask me another 14 other questions. Can I just get my chicken? I don't know. I, I want original. I don't want crispy. I, can, I just want darker white. Just give me some stinking chicken, you know? You know? <laughs> That's all I want. And then it's like, you want to round up? No, I want you to leave my money alone. It's my money, you know? It's crazy. All right, we're, I, now I got that out of my system. That, that was very it was good for me. Now my wife don't have to hear it anymore. Uh, Acts chapter 27 so the context of what we're going through here in Acts chapter 27 is uh, Paul is being carried off to Rome. He was accused of preaching Jesus Christ. He was arrested for preaching Jesus Christ. And the main reason they didn't like what Paul was saying, because there was other prophets at the time, there was other so-called Christs at the time, but what separated out Jesus Christ and what got Paul in a lot of trouble was he preached a resurrected Savior. That Jesus Christ was come from the dead, and he was alive forevermore. They didn't like that. They arrested him for it. And he, got put, he, was, he was in prison for years and years, and finally they brought him up, and he said, I appeal to Caesar. Take me to Caesar. I want to hear, I want to bring my case to Caesar. So they put him on a ship, and they shipped him off to Caesar. And on that way to Caesar, as a prisoner, he ran into a big storm. And that big storm, it was called Eurotoclodon, or some crazy name like that. It, it brought, uh, they started having lots of trouble with the storm. The, the guys were, uh, throwing, they were throwing stuff off the boat, the, every way they could to keep the boat from sinking. And God showed up, up to him and told him, everybody's going to be saved off this ship. And that was kind of a, something that they, was hard for them to believe. And here in verse 37, ver, no, let's skip down to verse 39 and get going. Verse 39, I've gave you kind of a context of what's going on here. Look at verse 39. Acts chapter 27 Verse 39, skip down to verse 39 of Acts chapter 27. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into, into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they had committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling to a place where two seas met, they ran the ship Aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence 
of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from the purpose and commanded that they would, which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all to safe land. Now let's continue into chapter 28, verse 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Malata. Now Malata is modern-day Malta. This little island here, verse 2. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain, because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. I want to preach this morning on shaking it off. Just shaking it off. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy, Lord God. I can't thank you enough, Lord, uh, for how much you love us and how much you allow us to, to come and approach you, Lord, with our sin and cast it at your feet, Lord God. And I thank you for cleansing us and washing us with that precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, Father, as we've opened up your word this morning, Lord God, that you'll lead us. You'll guide us. You'll teach us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray, Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, as we give the invitation, they'll come on down. But Lord, help us as Christians in here this morning to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray all this in the name of my blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're looking at this story of Paul, and as he lands his shipwrecked on this island, these barbarians come out. He gathers up some sticks to make a fire, and he's gathering up the sticks to make a fire. He throws the, the, the sticks, the bundle of sticks into the fire. This snake, this viper comes out and snatches right onto his hand. And as it grabs onto his hand, Paul just shakes that viper right off into the fire. And of course, the barbarians are there, and they're like, well, he obviously was a murderer because the sea didn't get him, but he escaped the sea, so the gods... Being fate, fate had it to where now he's going to die because he should have died there out in the sea. And they watched and they waited and sure, when you, he should have fell over dead. He should have swollen up. He should have done something. And after a while they said, man, there's nobody we've known ever to have been bit by that snake and live. He must be a God. He must be a God. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about some things you need to shake off in your life so you don't swell up. I'm going to talk to you about this morning about some things you need to shake off in your life so you don't swell up. This viper here in this story, that viper represents Satan. All through your Bible, the Bible shows Satan as a snake. Shows Satan as a snake. And I've had my fair, I know all of y'all have had y'all's testimonies. Y'all can give testimonies of y'all's fair share of snakes and how you've had to deal with snakes. I've had, every church I've been at, I've had to deal with a snake. And I'm not talking about the one sitting in the pews. <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. Some of y'all have a sense of humor. Uh, Gary and I were in here one time. We were in the back here, and uh, we were digging around in that back closet room, and I moved something up, and there's this big old snake. It goes, 
goes crawling up in there, you know. And to me, the quickest way to handle a snake is to kill it. You know, and the, the, and the quicker the better. The only good snake is a dead snake. Now, you, and that, that's just me. I mean, I want to kill every snake I see. If I see a snake on the road, I want to run it over and then back up and make sure it got ran over and is dead. And Gary, being Gary, no, he's like, no, 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 don't kill it, don't kill it. Because, you know, I've got the broom, I'm going to kill it, I'm going to beat it to death, lunge it. He, he picks that snake up from behind its head and carries it out here and goes, throws it out in the field. And I'm like, you're crazy, man. Because to me, that snake's just going to crawl right back over here, you know. That, that's just what that snake's going to do. I pastored out at Harmony, Harmony Baptist out there at Goldbus near Coleman. And I, I was preaching and walked out on the, at, at nighttime on Wednesday night, walked out on the, opened up the back, the back door to go out the church there. And there was a rattlesnake just right across there, man. And uh, luckily he hadn't gotten into the church yet, but we had a, luckily one of the members had a shotgun and shot and killed it. That was one of my favorite members. Kill that snake. Kill the snake. Kill it dead. Kill it. Kill it dead. But, you know, uh, if you get, and, one of my favorite jokes, and if y'all hear me joking around about this, please, please, please understand, I'm only joking. But every time, especially at work, there's a lot of guys that don't know my sense of humor and at work, and they're, they ask me, what kind of church do you have? I said, oh, yeah, well, we, we know, preach the Bible, and then we do some snake handling. <laughs> and I say it as serious as I can, you know, yeah, we do some snake handling, you know, just, didn't you see my arm swelled up last week? I got bit and everything. That, that, that's, what, that's what they do. I had a pastor friend tell me, when you're out in Georgia, when you're going out visiting these churches, when you first walk in the church, he said, look to the left and look for a cooler or look to the right. Look for a cooler at the back of the church. I'm like, look for a cooler? He goes, yeah. If you see a cooler, turn around and walk out because that's a snake handling church. He said they put those snakes in coolers to make them cold so they won't be moving around and won't be active. That way when they're handling them, being stupid, la, 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 doing all their dancing and snake handling, they won't bite them or whatever. This, these are all true stories of idiots in the world. I mean, Paul here would grab that bundle and had the snake jump up and bite him. And he had to shake it off. He just took that snake and just, and just shook it off. We need to shake off, first off, we need to shake off our prejudices. We need to shake off our prejudices before we swell up. Before we swell up with hate. And the reason why I say that, look back up at verse 2. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. You know, if I was on a ship and it wrecked out in the middle of the ocean and there was an island and I landed on that and I crawled to the shore and I seen some, uh, some barbarians come out of the, out of the woods to the, to the beach, I'd be like, oh no, they're going to eat me. Yeah, that's exactly what would come to Keegan Hall's mind. They're going to eat me. Yeah, they're going, to, they're going to take me. First, they're going to kill me. Then they're going to turn me into a pot of stew. That's, what, that's my prejudice against barbarous people. Because why would I think that way? Well, I've watched lots and lots of Gilligan's Island, and I know what they do. They're out to kill me. They're out to stew me up. But I thought it was amazing that he, here, my prejudice, uh, I was prejudiced here, but you see these barbarous people, they show no little kindness. They show no little kindness. And so you need to shake off your prejudice before you swell up. Swell up with hate. You know, I, I just talked about how I've watched a lot of Gilligan's Island and different t TV shows, and I, I see these barbarians or these, these islanders would come off, and I think, oh, they're going to be out to, out to kill me, out to eat me. They're cannibals and everything. You see how media and TV will shape your mind? Some of y'all think I'm joking. No, that's exactly how I think. I see people like that. I'm like, oh. the, the media can shape your prejudices. Your media can shape your prejudices and shape what you do. You know, God... God doesn't look at a skin color. God looks at a heart. 
Amen? God looks at a heart. He doesn't look at a skin color. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the Lord wants everybody saved. Black, white, uh, yellow, brown, polka dot, green, yellow. It don't matter what color you are. It don't matter what creed you are. It don't matter what culture you are. Jesus Christ wants you saved. And as a church, I think as a church, I think we, 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 we preach that. And I think we really believe that because we've sent missionaries to all the known world that we can get them out there because we want everybody saved. But if you don't shake off those prejudices, you can swell up with hate. You can swell up with hate. And you can see that with the barbarians. And these barbarians, they showed them no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. They didn't kick them out. They didn't say, hey, what are y'all doing landing on our island? Get off our land. And notice there, look down at verse 10. Look what they did. Who also honored us with many honors, and when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. These were some really nice people. And they were lost. They were lost. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful in our prejudices. And not just racial prejudices. That's easy enough. I mean, it's easy enough that we can be racially prejudiced or we can be prejudiced the way somebody dresses, the way somebody's skin, but we can be prejudiced for rich or poor or for success prejudices. We can look at people and be prejudiced towards them because we see that they're not so successful. Or we can be prejudiced towards them because they are successful. Oh, this guy that's, uh, that's, that's got rips in his jeans and he's obviously not been combing his hair and he's really dirty, he's the one that needs the gospel track. This guy over here walking with the suit and, and the tie and it's got, dropped, got out of that brand new pickup truck, he doesn't need a gospel track because obviously he's saved, amen? That's how people think. That's a prejudice. See, God doesn't look at your skin color, and He doesn't look at your clothes, He doesn't look at your bank account, He doesn't look at your political standing, He doesn't look at your social standing, He looks at your heart. And we forget that. And we can swell up, and we can swell up with some hate. Let me show you something in James chapter 2. Just turn to the right to James chapter 2. James warned us about this. If you're with me still, in James chapter 2, with your Bible, turn to James chapter 2. You know, James warned us about this. That we can be prejudiced. I think a lot of Christians I've met, honestly, now I might be wrong, but a lot of the Christians I've met are not racially prejudiced. Uh, they're not going to look at a man's skin color and judge them that way. But I've seen a lot of Christians that are uh, prejudiced about success and prejudiced against poor people and prejudiced. If the wrong people walked, if a wrong person walked in this church and it was obvious that they smelled like they hadn't been taking a shower, there would be people that would be prejudiced against them in this church. I'm afraid that might be so. I hope not. Hope not. Hope not. Hope that you wouldn't judge somebody if they came in with a suit and a tie and say, oh, he's somebody special. We would put him and give him a good place. But if somebody, yeah, yeah, sit over. That's what was going on in the church here with James chapter 2. Look at verse 1. My brethren, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. See, it's being respectful to different people. For if there come unto you your assembly a man with a gold ring and, godly, and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, there's a prophecy for you right there, that weareth the gay clothing, and saying to him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. 
We don't want to be treating people differently just because of the way they're dressed or how much money they have in their bank. You know, uh, at my job, I had to deal with homeless people at my job. And more and more, there's more and more homeless people. And I had to deal more and more with them. And I was talking to uh, another co-worker. Thank goodness he doesn't work in my department. I was dealing with another co-worker. And he was really disparaging some homeless people that we were having to move. Because they'll get, and they'll get, we're, they're visible, and the, you know, they don't want them visible. And, they're, and we're having to move them around and move their stuff and pick up their stuff. And this guy was really, really disparaging them, really, really talking bad about them. And he got under my skin, and I said, man, let me tell you something. It's by the grace of God I'm not like one of them right now. It's by the grace of God. If you knew my background, it's by the grace of God I'm not one of them right now. I don't deserve to be where I'm at. I don't deserve to be making any kind of money. It's by the God. You know, I'm a, I'm a high school dropout. I'm, there's a lot of things. It's by the grace of God I'm not like one of them. And the barbarous people show no little kindness. Look at James. We'll continue here in James. Verse 4. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? James is, part not, James is part not pointing out a great truth that some of y'all need to understand. Some of the greatest Christians I've met have been poor people. Because they have nobody to rely on but God. They don't have a MasterCard. They don't have a Visa. They don't have a bank account. They don't have a banker they can go borrow some more money from. They don't have any. They're just poor, and it's them and God. And you know what's amazing? It's ama what really scares me, and I'm not trying to scare you this morning, is when you get around some really, really poor people, how happy they are. <laughs> it's like, don't you know you're supposed to be sad right now? You're not supposed to be laughing and joking and cutting up. You're supposed to be sad. You don't, have a, you don't have a nice car. You don't have a nice house. You don't, but there's something about them. They just have God. And he says here, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Yeah, that's true. What's our troubles in here? Yeah, the complaints we have is from the rich people. It's from the politicians. Same thing. If you're a politician, you're rich. Because you are a politician. Amen. Man, I'm glad there's some, some people after, after my own heart in here. Do not, the blas do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? Think about that tonight when you're watching the Super Bowl. Think about that. How many people you're watching and you're cheering and clapping for and they're entertaining you and they're blaspheming the name of Jesus Christ? You know, I was watching this little thing where that one of the football players was, taught, was giving glory to Jesus Christ and they cut him off. Just cut him off. Commercial break. Time to go to commercial break. Let's talk about anything but Jesus. James, this was 2,000 years ago. James had it, hit it right on the nail. Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Let's go back to Acts. Let's go back to Acts. We need to shake off those prejudices. 
Shake off those prejudices before we swell up with hate. Let's move along. So we need to look at verse 3. Back in Acts chapter 28, look at verse 3. And when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of, his, out of the heat and fastened on his hand. We need to shake off the reproaches and persecutions. This is one of my favorite ones because we need to shake off reproaches. We need to shake off persecution before we swell with self-pity. Paul had every right to throw a pity party. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen, Paul is a prisoner. Paul, has been, Paul was going around justified, minding his business, going and arresting Christians. Everybody was patting him on the back. He had all the money he could want. And then Jesus had to come along and mess it up. Strike him down off a horse and tell him, Paul, Paul, I've got something I want you to do for me. And ever since then, Paul's been nothing but persecuted. He's been whipped. He's been stoned. He's been left for dead. He can't, he's been left where he couldn't eat. Paul has a whole list of it there in the Bible, all the things he's went through. Here we are, Paul, just doing exactly what God told him to do, preaches Jesus Christ. He's been in prison for years and years. Finally, he's being sent off on a ship. And he goes, finally, I'm going to get to go, to go to Rome, go to Caesar. I'll get to preach Jesus to Caesar. And on the ship, big old storm comes up. Looks like he's going to die in the storm. Like, God, what are you doing here? What, what's going on here, God? And then when he finally, God finally says, hey, I'm going to save you. He goes, thank you, Lord. And he, but he still goes through the shipwreck. He still tries to get off on the, has to swim to shore. He finally gets off there. He's like, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And a snake goes, <laughs> you know. Bam, the snake gets you. Isn't that how it works? God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, we feel we got to shake off those persecution complexes. You know, uh, you think about it and people, I, I, I mean, I, I've heard Christians say, I had a flat tire last week. I had a flat tire and I'm still wondering why God did it to me. Uh, brother, let me, I, I don't want when you take air and you shove it into rubber and like a nail goes in there, it goes flat. It, it's called life. I was walking and tripped and fell and hurt my arm and I'm still wondering why God did it to me. When you walk and there's thing called gravity and you trip and fall, that's called life. <laughs> I've seen really, really good Christians fall and break their arm. I've seen really, really bad people fall and break their arm. It's called life. But we need to shake those persecution complexes off. That's what we're seeing going on in the world. Isn't that what everything, a lot of what we don't like about the world is the way the world acts about this stuff. Me, 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 what about me? You're not taking care of me. What about mine? What about mine? What about me? What, the, the, it's, it's a self-pity, the me, me, me. The, 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 it's ever that selfishness. That, that, aren't you tired of that? We, as Christians, we don't want any part of that. We need to shake that off before we swell with self-pity. Paul had every right. And then, then he has the snake bite him, shakes it off. Everybody around him, he's a murderer. He's a murderer. Yeah, yeah he's a murderer. You know, that's like, you know, you have something bad happen in your life, it's like, wonder why their house burned. You think Pat's and Gary done with that a little bit of that? Why why'd God do this to me? Why 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 this happen? and the people, all your neighbors wondering, well, I thought that why you know if there's a God, why they you don't think people think like people think like that. He's a murderer. That's why that happened right there. 
That self-pity, that selfishness, we need to shake it off. It's that self-pity, that selfishness, I've heard it described as going into a house of mirrors. Wherever you look, it's you. And it's distorted you. It's skinny you. It's wide you. It's curvy you. Y'all have all been in house of mirrors at a carnival? And what's the main thing you know about a house of mirrors? It's really hard to find your way out. It really is hard to find your way out. We need to shake, we need to shake, shake that off. We need to shake it off, brothers and sisters. Shake it off. Here we need, let me show you something else we need to shake off. Let me show you something else we need to shake off. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Verse 6, Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. You know, you really need to shake off some compliments before you swell with pride. Shake off those compliments before you swell with pride. You know, Psalms chapter 12 Verse 2 says, they speak vanity. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. You're a murderer. You're a God. You're a murderer. You're a God. Those same people that call you a murderer, those same people are going to once call you a God. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> That's what they'll do to you. You don't know people. I hate to say this because y'all are so kind to me. Y'all are very, very gracious to me. And some of y'all have said some very, very kind words to me. But some of the people in this, not, this, not in this building this second, but I've had people, because I've been here 18 years, so I can say this, right, and not hurt anybody's feeling. I've had people years and years and years ago that would like, meet me at the back door and say, you're the greatest preacher I've ever met. You're the greatest preacher I've ever met. Well, I said, well, that's the Lord, that's the Lord. And then like a week later, I hate your guts. You don't know your Bible. You shouldn't be a preacher. You think I'm exaggerating. No, I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what's happened to me. Exactly what's happened to me. You're nothing. I don't, <laughs> that same, same lady. I'm so wonderful. And then the, like two weeks later, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I'm a, and I'm not even going to tell you what she got mad at me about. That's how they'll do you. And you got to shake those compliments off, brothers and sisters. You got to shake. Well, let me get. Let me get down to the nut. You got to shake off what other people are saying. You got to shake off what other people say. You got to shake that stuff off because it'll cling on to you. Words have power, yeah. and they'll cling to you. And when somebody says something to you, you got to shake it off because that's how the world's controlling you. They control you through words. And they're controlling you the way you speak. And they want to control how you speak. And they want to control you through your work. And you've got you to shake that stuff off. When you're doing what the world likes, what does the world tell you? When you're doing what the world likes, you're a good person. You're a good person. You're thinking the right way. You're thinking the right way. You're a good person. You're thinking the right way. You're one of us. You're one of the guys. Everything's all right. You're a pretty good old boy. And you might be going straight to hell. And the world will be just, everything's okay. It's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I've heard that before where somebody got some really, really bad health news. And I heard the other person say, everything's going to be okay. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. That person's going to hell. The person doesn't know Jesus Christ. They're, they're a sinner bound to hell. That's the truth. But the world will try to convince you everything's okay. Everything, everything's not okay. You know what a Christian likes to hear? Hey, you might have got some bad news. This is for a Christian, right? 
For a Christian, you might have got some really, really bad news, but Jesus Christ has got you up in heaven. You got heaven waiting for you. That's a great promise. That's some good news. Amen, that's some good news. Then what will the world tell you whenever you tell the truth? You're a hate monger. You're a hate monger. You're full of hate speech. Oh, I've had that plenty of times. You're nothing but, you're full of hate speech. Oh, my favorite one, you're a homophobe. No, I'm not scared of nobody. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You're, you're a Bible-phobe because you're scared of the Bible. And we're going to talk about phobias. They're going, to put all, they're going to place all these words on you. You've got to shake that stuff off. You've got to remember, what does God say about me? I'd rather, well, I'd rather the world say, you're, a hate, you're full of hate, you're full of speech, you're a monster, you're, you're this, you're that. You're, oh, I love the, the world can say, what do they want to say about you? You're a murderer, what do they want to say about me? But when I stand before the Lord God Almighty, I want Him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in here. Come on in here. I got something for you. You got to shake that stuff off. You got to shake it off. Look at Luke chapter 6. Go back to Luke chapter. We got a couple of minutes and then we'll finish. Luke chapter 6. I'm going to show you this, what Jesus had to say. I wanna, I wanna, let's look at the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at Luke chapter 6. Verse 22. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Let's look at this and then we'll, then we'll close. We'll start closing up. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. You've got to shake those off. You've got to shake off what the world says about you. For you swell with pride. You'll swell with pride with those, those compliments. You'll just swell up. You've got to shake it off or you swell up. Do like Paul and shake it off. Look at cha Luke chapter 6, verse 22. This is the, Lord, the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, blessed are ye. Blessed are you. Blessed. You want to be blessed? When men shall hate you. That's not what the world tells you. Paul says, hey man, if the world hates you, there must be something wrong with you. No, that tells you, if the, world, if the world hates you, you're doing something right in God's eyes. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company. You ever had somebody not be friends with you anymore because you're a Christian? I have. And shall reproach you. They won't have nothing to do with you. And cast you out, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, for Jesus' sake. Notice what he says here, verse 23. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. Click your heels. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Amen. Brothers and sisters, don't worry about the world says to you. Shake that off. They're going to come up with all kinds of names. They're going to come up with all, they're going to come up with all kinds of new names. Who cares what the world has to say? What does Jesus Christ, what does the Lord God, the Holy Father, have to say about us? That's really, really what matters to us. So in, back in uh, Acts chapter 28, I'm going to close up. In Acts chapter 28, verse 3, When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. So that old viper, and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer. Verse 5, and he shook off the beast into the fire, and he felt no harm. You know, when the, I don't know what the devil's going to do to you today. I don't know what the devil's going to do to you tomorrow, but I'm telling you, the devil's working. And the devil's working overtime, brothers and sisters, because he knows the time is short. Anybody knows it, he knows it. And the devil's going to bite you. The devil's going to reach up and bite you, just like this snake. He's going to bite you. 
And it, just like a snake in the grass, you're not going to see it coming. Just like Paul, you're going to be doing some daily chore. You're going to be doing something just minimal, something you're not, it's not, it's, it never happens when you're expecting it, amen. You're just doing something, and then boom, it's, he's going to bite you. And then you're going to have to shake it off. You're going to have to shake it off, or you're going to swell up with depression. I've seen so many Christians. It really amazes me how many Christians are walking around with depression nowadays. And I think it's because they're swelled up. They never shook off when the devil bit them. And we've all been bit in here. Everybody in here could get up and give testimony how the devil's bit them. And some of us, I, I admit the devil's bit me, and I admit I swelled up with depression. And I didn't shake it off. I'm here to tell you, on the other side of the fence, after I've gotten through all of that, hey man, the next time the devil bites me, I'm going to shake it off. Jesus Christ has got this. He's got me. Man, I got the best thing going in Jesus Christ. And when I, see the, when I see the world's going to hell and I see the politics in the world, I'm like, man, there's no way to vote ourselves out of this. If this is the best country, and I believe it, America's the best country outside God's chosen people, Israel, this is the best country, and this is the shape we're in, we're hopeless because we can't, we can't vote ourselves out. Thank God we got Jesus Christ coming back. And there ain't nobody going to vote him in. And there ain't going to be nobody vote him out. And there's going to be nobody going to steal that election. He's king of kings and lord of lords. They can't, they're not, they're not going to be able, I didn't vote him in. It don't matter if you vote him. He's a king. You don't vote for a king. He comes in and takes over. And he's going to take over. And he's going to straighten this mess out. And the Bible gives us these great promises that when he does straighten it out, it isn't that he's going to straighten it out a little bit. He's going to straighten this thing out amazingly. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden. This whole earth is going to regenerate. Mankind is going to regenerate. Our health is going to regenerate. The animals are going to regenerate. Everything's going to be wonderful again when our King Jesus comes back. And man, we've got to lean on to that. And when the devil bites us and we're in the world and the devil's going to bite us, we've got to shake off the... Shake it off and say, man, I'm not going to swell up. I mean, i got a better thing coming. Because where does he go? Verse 5, and he shook off the beast. Notice that Antichrist reference. Shake off the beast. There we go. The beast, the Antichrist. Shake off the beast. Where'd he go? He went into the fire. I know where that devil belongs. I know where that old snake belongs. I know where that old beast belongs. He's going in the fire. That's where he's going. Brothers and sisters, when you get bit, you got to shake it off because it's not how it begins, it's going to be how it ends. It's never how it begins, it's how it ends. And not begin, you might begin horrible, you might begin poor, you might begin down and out, it might be going sorry, but in the end, it's all going to work out for a Christian. But for the lost, i got some bad news for you. You're going in there with your father, the devil. Jesus Christ said the hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never meant for you. He died on the cross so he could save you out of a devil's hell. And the devil's bit you. And you're swelling up. If you're not careful, you'll be shook off right into fire. Or if you can be like a Christian, he shook off that beast into the fire. And what about the Christian? What about Paul? And he felt no harm why did he feel no harm not because Paul was special Paul wasn't special why did Paul feel no harm because he had Jesus Christ what makes me special is nothing special about King and Hall the only thing special about me is Jesus Christ in me
I'm not giving you anything that's outside the realm of anything special. This isn't some kind of revelation of a preaching service or a sermon or anything. This is a simple truth that when, Christ bite, when, when the devil bites you, you got Christ in you and you can shake the devil off. You know what 1 John 4 tells us? I'm going to finish this off by saying this. Year of, year of God, little children. He's talking to you guys. Year of God, little children. And have overcome them because, listen, because why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 